All right, everyone. Welcome to our first episode of the DGen Sports Hub podcast. Um, this is your host, Justin, and I'm here with uh, my buddy, Steven. Hey, guys. How's it going? Sorry, I'm going to be a little bit slow whenever I'm called upon here. I am day one deep in Cabo um, at an all-inclusive, so <laughs> thoughts come slow and words come out even slower. <laughs> um so uh, for those of you who don't know what this podcast is about, so basically Stephen and I are a bunch of sports degenerates, um, and we're going to bring you our takes on recent sporting events and just bets that we like. Um, and we figure, you know, if ESPN can get paid millions of dollars to give terrible takes, we can do it for free. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think that our friends kind of get tired of us, you know, blabbing about what we think is going on in the world of the NBA, NFL, um, but also love talking about betting and hypothetically how we're going to hit that, you know, 14 team millionaire maker parlay and, and stuff like that. So um, I figured it's something that we enjoy doing amongst ourselves. So let's maybe expand and see if we um, can share some of our knowledge or just even provide some entertainment to uh, anyone who's interested in following along with our uh, stupid antics when it comes to this space. Um, yeah, so we'll just get started. I mean, this week, obviously, we're starting with the NBA Finals. Uh, no bigger stage. Uh, Steven is our resident NBA expert. Uh, we'll let you take the lead on this one. Sure, yeah. So um, here we are, you know, the last couple of teams left, two unexpected ones, to say the least, in the, to some degree with the Suns and the Bucks. So the Bucks have been kind of in you know, this territory before in that they've been making deeper and deeper playoff runs, but finally kind of pushed over the hump and made it to the actual finals. Um, one thing that I actually really like about this matchup is that they're two smaller market teams. So in a world where it seems like who can rush to go to LA or New York or, you know, to a, a big market and um, there's constant worry about homegrown talent bailing as soon as they can. I like seeing that we actually saw some success with some teams getting built around uh, high quality draft picks and following, finding some supporting pieces for those superstars on their respective teams in like Booker, Aiton, and Giannis. And then also the ability for these front offices to surround them with some good supporting casts and, you know, make them so that they're going to be forced to be reckoned with, I'll say for, for some years to come with them. So that's just as an aside, I'm sure we'll have a future uh, session or a future article or podcast where we go a little bit deeper about the state of super teams and the like. Um, but just wanted to throw that out there and kind of say that it, to me, at least, it's uh, pretty refreshing to see some two, two teams that haven't been here in quite a while um, back. So excited for that. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, it's definitely really nice not seeing one of the three usual teams in the NBA finals. Especially as a better, it gives me kind of more of a, I guess, less of a motivation to bet against the super team. So I could kind of be a little unbiased when I'm coming in with mm. my bets here. Gotcha. Yeah, no, it totally makes sense. Um, well, we I have an article published on our site that goes a little bit more in depth on kind of thoughts. It's mostly conjecture. We didn't want this to, you know, be... Um, 538 or something like that, where it's, you know, heavily statistics based. I know betting is, is very uh, much in that space. So not to dismiss the math behind it, just that Justin and I are not smart enough to actually 
um, you know, come up with good math equations to really validate our hypotheses. So going to be a lot of conjecture, a lot of eyeball tests, a lot of armchair quarterbacking, if you will. But um, do you want to kind of at least um, align some of these heuristics and things that we're going to discuss, you know, now and in the future with statistics, like whenever we can. Um, yeah. So, and, uh, that, you, you can ahead. find that article on, uh, www.dgensportshub.com. And, uh, we'll have several articles coming out throughout the year, both on NBA and NFL. Yeah. Good, good idea to actually plug the website that I alluded to. So there's that brain fog <laughs> coming into play. Um, But yeah, so a couple interesting statistics to start us off. One, I think that I just read earlier today that Chris Paul is going to be, um, or he's the player who has played the most NBA playoff games without playing in the finals until now. So I think he had 123 playoff games um, before he made it there. And yeah, I found that to be pretty interesting. Um, Along with that, in terms of kind of records and streaks and things like that. This is the first finals since I think 1984 that doesn't have a um, Shaq connection. So for those who don't know about that, basically every finals since 1984, I believe, um, and if I'm wrong, I'm sure someone will quote, correct me on that, uh, has had a teammate of Shaq. So people who played there before he joined the league eventually were teammates with him in either like Orlando or LA. Um, and then since then, uh, all the way through last year with LeBron, uh, he had uh, kept that streak alive. So this is the first time that uh, Shaq is no longer a first-degree connection with a player. And finally, this is also uh, the first time in a very long time that none of the players on either team have won a title before. So I think that you have to go back to like the 70s, early 70s, for that to have been um, uh, you know, the last time that that happened. So a lot of fresh blood in there which is awesome to see for the sport you love to see you know some new folks come in and uh have an impact and get recognition and face time around the league and around the sporting world so uh, pretty stoked to see that they're going to be a new champion um or at least in the bucks case one that hasn't won it in like 50 years and uh, a lot of new players who are going to have that sort of clout now about them that um none of them have right now so pretty exciting stuff um So what do you think are the biggest takes for the Suns to come out as victors for this uh, NBA Finals? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's going to be them controlling the tempo. I think that the Bucs are most dangerous uh, when they're out in space, they're running. Giannis is an absolute monster in transition. You know, he can make the right pass. He can handle the ball. The guy runs like a gazelle and can dunk on anyone. So when he's kind of slowed down and, and not able to play in space as much. I think that that's when the Bucks can stagnate. That's when they can kind of hoist too many kind of bleh, like ill-advised three-pointers. Their offense can kind of get stuck a bit. So I think that the Suns really need to be able to uh, kind of force that to happen uh, for them to win. I also think that, uh, you know, Chris Paul, we, we, we know what he's going to bring. We you know know that he's point God, if you will. Right. So if, um, he's going to be getting, you know, 15 assists and one turnover games like that, or like what he had the other day with his 41 points, I think he only had eight assists, but no turnovers. So if he's going to be playing like that and setting up the, the shooters on their team um, so that they can't be left open when Chris Paul gets to run a pick and roll, or I haven't even talked about Devin Booker yet. If he's kind of one-on-one de- uh, defended right now, then he's going to be you know troublesome for the Bucks to deal with. So I think that, 
they're going to have to exploit the mismatches that they can develop with that. So what I mean by that is if Drew, the best defender on the Bucks, is going to be you know, stepping up and guarding Booker most of the game, that means that you get Chris Paul on a less than – uh, you know, less than your best defender, which is already off to a good start for the Suns. And then he might be able to really force the issue with things like the pick and roll with Aiton. So if you were going to have Brooke Lopez try to step out there, like he's not going to come out to the three-point line to try to contend with Chris Paul out there. So he might see a bunch of open shots there. Um, if if uh, Lopez does overextend, then Aiton's going to be on his way to the rim. So it'll be interesting to see how much we see Brooke Lopez and, and whether he can stay on the court, because I think that while he's been amazing in the last couple of games without Giannis, um, I don't know whether, you know, his ability to guard and keep up with Aiton is going to be, you know, something that um, really persists with this series. So in terms of the Suns, the last thing I like uh, is the fact that they do have two really good ISO scores like Chris Paul can dance on you, especially if he gets a switch to a defender he likes. Same with Booker. He's got that Kobe-esque DeRozan, you know, Jordan two guard mid game, which while has kind of faded out into obscurity in the pace and space era and Maury ball, if you will, shooting a bunch of threes and layups that works great for the regular season. But when there's crunch time, when the, again, the tempo slows down, the game slows down, you need someone who can get a bucket. And oftentimes it's someone who has like a, a mid-range move or a post move if you're a big guy and can get you two points, you know, like that's something that I think is kind of lost a little bit in that space. So, and in the game today. So I think that having Booker and having CP3, two guys that can get theirs efficiently in that kind of area of the court is really going to be something that might have been, you know, overlooked to the casual fan, but something that will really come through in crunch time in these close games that we're expecting to see. Um, so you kind of touched on it a little bit. Um, basically, like these are two teams with players who haven't really been on this NBA final stage. Do you think that kind of jitters is going to play a big factor for players like Booker and Aiton, who aren't, I would say, like 16 year veterans like CP3? Uh, do you think they're going to be able to step up? I think so. Um, I think that if they would have fallen apart that it would have happened already but you know that that remains to be seen I think that depending on the scheme that uh, coach Bud and, and the rest of the Buck staff can challenge them with will also obviously have a tremendous impact here but at the end of the day having Chris Paul be your like coach mentor leader like actually guy setting you up you know and having someone who's been around the block he's well he hasn't won the finals he's played in like the Olympics and other you know very high pressure big stages. So the fact that they get to default to him or let him kind of be the pulse of the team, I think really is going to help settle the nerves, keep them where they need to be. Um, and on top of that, they have some of their role players. So while he didn't win it, like Jay Crowder has been around the block. He was on the heat last year, right? With, or even heat or jazz, you know, he's been on like, like five teams in the last five years, but all of those teams were making deep playoff runs. And so I think he's, you know, he's a tough guy, but he can also uh, be, a um, kind of, again, person who's been there before and, and advise and, and sort of be that calming presence for the team. So uh, I would look to some of their vets as well to be able to keep the ship even, you know, from uh, uh, that perspective. But, you know, I guess we'll see. They could always pull a, a Harrison Barnes and, you know, go O for a thousand and, you know, <laughs> yeah, uh, run into some trouble. So I, that's why we watch the game, right? Yep. Yep. Um 
So as far as the Bucks are concerned, we know you know Giannis is not a hundred percent. Actually, many reports were out that if he was a hundred percent, that the Bucks would actually be the favorites to win this series. Um, so what else do the Bucks really have to do to really try to steal this championship from the Suns? Yeah, uh, it's a interesting and a tough one to to nail down given Giannis's status, but I have read recently that he, he's expected to play. Um, so, you know, whether that means he's 75, 80, 90%, uh, I guess remains to be seen based on, you know, what we'll, we'll witness all in the first game. But for them, I think that they just need to be nimble with their ability to mix things up. So what I talked about in terms of the sun's keys of pace and tempo and, you know, getting the bucks to, kind of get frazzled and out of their own game. I think the Bucks obviously need to stay within themselves and, and do what they do best. Um, I think that if you look at some of the games that they lost to Atlanta and to Brooklyn along the way, the un- overarching theme of a lot of those was just like bad shots. Just like, okay, like too many threes, like they're not, you know, in a rhythm. They're not um, going on a, you know, on a run. They're not just making it rain from above their, kind of stuck and but they just de- default to shooting kind of like a, a three after like one pass and a few dribbles kind of thing that's not mm-hmm. a offense that <laughs> had a whole lot going with it right so I think that one thing that they need to avoid is, is that but what's very interesting and and I saw actually um Charles Barkley you know and uh, <laughs> podcast idol, right? Just go on and blab about whatever you feel like and get paid millions of dollars for it. But he said something really interesting where he was saying, like, you know, that with the last couple of games of Giannis being out, that, you know, Drew has really stepped up. And I've noticed that too in, in the games that I watch. And him and Brooke Lopez had a real solid two man game. Like, Brooke Lopez was alley ooping on everyone, like, the whole game. He was, you know, probably had 20 dunks over the last couple of games. Uh, Middleton was playing like we've come to expect him, uh, you know, in this time of year. So the fact that they've now sort of realized what they can do and what they're capable of without Giannis, without the focus of their offense most of the time, I think that now if you can bring Giannis back in, you know, and, and still keep some of the learnings or some of the experience that you've just now gathered over these last few games without him and making things work and still putting up a ton of points and having a good looks at the basket like they've been getting for this past couple of games against the Hawks without him, I think that, that you know, serves them well in that they maybe have figured something out. Maybe someone on the coaching staff has, you know, had a light bulb go off in their head. I know that mm-hmm. many fans love to to hate on or say that Bud should be fired if they don't win it all because, like, you know, blah, blah, blah. He's, you know, can't make adjustments. But, like, I, I think that from us watching, it's very easy to say that. But, like, how many coaches are there really out there that are, like, you know, going to be doing everything every time to win every single game. Like, it's just not how it works. Like, it's ultimately on the players to make stuff happen. And yes, the coaches need to put them in a position to succeed. And I think that he's done a, a great job of continuing to push the team forward. So um, hopefully he can, you know, continue to do that and come up with some creative ways to get looks if the, you know, pace does slow down and, and they end up playing in a style that normally is not what they would like to have and, and how they would normally dictate the game to flow. Yeah, my my only worry with uh, you know Giannis coming back is I mean it's fantastic for the Bucks as a whole because you always want that MVP caliber player there, but to me it almost feels like with him back it's going to kind of take away from what some of the good that like Brooke Lopez and old Crazy Eyes and Bobby Portis yeah. were able to do. 
Yeah. Um, you know, when you give those guys like 25, 30 minutes, it's a little different. They can kind of get into a rhythm. They can kind of really get a game plan going, but I feel like their limits are going to be drastically limited now. And they're going to kind of fall back into more of a reserve role as opposed to really being that cohesive team that was winning them these games without their captain. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting point. But on the the devil's advocate to that that I would bring up is for guys like Portis, especially who may have been riding the bench more often than not with a full healthy team. The fact that he has got 20, 30 minutes the last couple of games. And yes, he goes back to getting maybe five to 10. But now at this point, you have one, you have a bit of trust in him as a coaching staff. So you know that like maybe we don't have to ride out, you know, Giannis if he's not feeling 100% or if some of his shots aren't falling because he's just getting back into it and you need to bring someone off the bench, you now have more confidence that Portis can come in and, you know, play a role because he's been excelling at it the last couple of games. And also for Portis, you have the confidence of saying like, man, I can do this. Like, you know, I, I can step in and when I'm called upon, I've, I've shaken off the rust, if you will. I've just played really well in a couple of conference finals games. Like that's got to be a huge confidence boost for him. So as long as his mentality is right and he's ready to, you know, commit to and help out however he can. Like, I think that that can only really help. I, I, I don't yeah. buy so much the, um, you know, I'm like the best player on the team. Like I need like 30 minutes a game to like get into my groove because if you needed that, you wouldn't be in the NBA as like a bench player. You know, you, you have to be, be ready. And I think that for these guys that they're going to, you know, have a little bit more confidence in, in themselves more than anything else. Yeah, that's true. Um, so we talked about the offense a bit. So defensively, what do the Bucks have to do to stop Booker, Aiton, and CP3? Who's going to be on who? Yeah, that's that's what's going to be interesting for me is I think that I feel like you have to put Drew Holiday on Booker, or at least you have to start with that. You obviously need to be nimble and adjust if that gets you torched in a different manner. Um, like I said, Brooke Lopez getting put in the, the pick and roll will be interesting. See what he can do and, and not, you know, hopefully – get burnt or, or be the one who gets put in the spin cycle there. Um, if that is the case, then I would look for them to go small. Uh, Giannis is probably capable of defending Aiton as well as anyone. Like he's a big, strong guy. What is more worrying about that uh, prospect is he's an excellent help defender. And so if he's stuck with Aiton, then his help defense is going to be uh, a little bit limited because he's not going to be able to wander as much like he might normally. So in a world where he's like your small ball five, or at least on defense, and he's kind of guarding someone who's not so much a shooter, he's guarding Capella or someone like that, you know, in mm-hmm. previous series, then he can kind of roam a little bit, like go off his guy a little a little bit. Uh, Capella is obviously a lob threat and stuff like that. But with Aiton, he's even, you know, more skilled, more, more so someone that you can't relax on. So defensively, I look for um, some different schemes from the Bucks to – really keep Booker and, you know, as I don't know the right word here is like, you know, um, questioning what's coming, basically give him different mm-hmm. looks. I think that he, as long as if he can't get comfortable and you make Chris Paul, DeAndre Aiden and role players and jump shooters beat you, then that is definitely an approach. Like I, that would be at least the first thing that comes to my very simple mind, my very smooth brain about like, what's the best way to, to try to neutralize and um, a plan forward. So I would, think to try that but i'm also not an nba coach um, but i think we'll see that at some point and if, it, if that doesn't work then maybe you go the opposite side like we're gonna clamp down everyone else and if booker scores 45 but the rest of the other team scores 45 you know right that's only 90 points and we can still win that way so 
I think that's a little unlikely given how good Chris Paul is at setting up his teammates. So I, I don't know if that's like a, as good of a option there, but that could also be something that when Chris Paul is on the bench or something that we're going to deny Booker his and see if the rest of the guys can pick up the slack. So um, those are a couple of different strategies that I, I think that we'll see at some point or another, just because, you know, it's a game of adjustments, right? So Booker gets hot, you focus on him and see if the rest of the guys can pick up the slack. And I'm sure we'll see kind of every permutation of this uh, throughout the series. Yeah. Um, so now that we've talked about both teams, let's get into what we're actually here to talk about the, the betting side of how to, this. How, how to lose money. Yeah. How to lose money. Oh, okay, uh, yeah. Very quickly. Yeah. Sure. Uh, sure. <laughs> so let's start with a uh, finals MVP. Uh, a lot of great guys on both sides of the ball here. Um, who, who do you like to win this? Yeah. Uh, for finals MVP. I mean, I guess it comes down to, to who wins the finals, right? And that's a duh, quite, kind of proposition. Yeah. You know, we're not going to get a Jerry West situation where the MVP is on the, the losing side. Um, I mean, I, I feel like it has to be Giannis if you're the Bucks. Like, I think the narrative is there. The MVP is the most important player on your team. Um, from a betting perspective, I haven't looked at the latest, latest odds, given that he's now supposed to play. But before, I was seeing plus 375 for him to be finals MVP, which um, is pretty solid if you think he's going to play. Like, I think that the narrative is there, and he's going to be an incredibly important part of the – you know, overall success of the Bucks from a counting stats perspective, from an impact perspective, from a narrative. I think that he's the guy. Um, Chris Middleton could also be a, a strong contender here. This is the kind of the Andre Iguodala winning it sort of award or the, when Kawhi won it. While it's a little bit different in that, you know, oh, they're the ones who defended LeBron. Like, you know, even if LeBron still got his, I think that the narrative, at least behind, oh, Middleton was our crunch time guy. Like if he's splashing some, some mid-range shots and winning games late, then yeah. then he could could get that as well. I think that it really is like a narrative-driven uh, award, you know, and it's you know, something that people decide like pretty much after Game Seven, right? So it's not like you have yeah. a bunch of sports writers who get to really think over the season and and that whatnot for like the normal you know regular season MVP. So it's definitely a recency thing as well. So I think that. From a Bucks side, both of those guys, and I'm seeing right now, Chris Middleton is anywhere from plus five fifty to plus seven hundred, like seven to one for him to be Finals MVP. I think is a halfway decent uh, bet there if if the Bucks are going to win it. So I would, yeah. if you if you're confident in the Bucks, you know, having one of those two guys as your Finals MVP would, or even both, you know, the line for Milwaukee to win the whole thing right now, I'm seeing is plus one fifty five. So even if you're betting on both Giannis and Middleton, I think that you're going to come out ahead if one of them are the finals MVP. Um, yeah. But again, math is hard. So <laughs> never really yeah. know for sure. Do we? Yep, exactly. Um, yeah, I, I agree with, with those two guys. I think those would be the two guys, at least from the bucks who would more than likely win it. Probably Giannis just because it's narrative driven. Right. Um, as far as the Suns, I mean, Chris Paul, the obvious pick. Yeah. You think anyone like Booker or Aiton can steal that away from him? Uh, I think Booker has a chance. I don't think Aiton really does, uh, just because the 
you know, he's been incredible in these playoffs, right? He's shooting like 80% or something like that, grabbing boards, like playing really good defense. But he's not the superstar that Booker is. Booker is. He's in the shadow of two guys that are, funnily enough, much shorter than him. But he, um, I, I think that he, he'll have a good series, uh, but I don't think he's going to be like the, you know, difference maker. I think that with defenders like Lopez, like Giannis, like Bobby Portis, people are going to make it tough for him and he's still going to get, you know, again, his, he'll get his, but I just don't see him being the, you know, at the end of the day, the, the guy who wins in the finals. Um, maybe, maybe in like advanced stats world, like when you look back in six months and someone on Reddit will come by and say, like, if, if you, you know, examine every single position that he was on the floor, here's like the impacts that he had, or maybe we'll look back even more quickly and see that his like total, you know, plus minus or his, um, Vorp or all these other advanced stats are going to be really high. But like, again, the sports writers aren't looking at that. So I don't think that it'll come down to like DeAndre Ayton was like plus a thousand in the finals. Like even though he didn't score a ton of points or something, he should win the MVP, whether that's true or not. He might be the most impactful player, but um, I don't think that the, the narrative or the award will be given to him pretty much in any, any likelihood. Um, so then you have Chris Paul and Devin Booker who both right now I'm seeing have, Chris Paul, I'm seeing anywhere from plus 140 to plus 175. I don't, I don't think I'd bet on that. Um, I feel like the odds just aren't good enough there. But you know, uh, yeah, that's why we can, hate winning money. Can, 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 can argue with me? <laughs> yeah, right. And like that's the obvious choice. Like you should take that. It's probably your best chance. And then I'm like, yeah, I don't like that chance. I want a worse one. Um, Booker, 240 to 275. Uh, I like that one a little bit better. I guess in a similar vein though to the overall uh, money line for the series right now, I see uh, for an MGM, it's minus 189 for the Suns. So again, here you're almost almost one to two on your money. So not really worth it, in my opinion, to, to bet on them, even if you do like them. And I, I yeah. before Giannis news, I liked them. Um, but similarly, you could bet on Booker or Paul to win the finals MVP and even betting on both of them should potentially depending on the odds you get get you better odds than the sun's actually winning the whole thing yeah that's probably a smarter bet um so that means we probably won't do it we'll just mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll do the dumb bet do the dumb uh, bets yeah but no i i totally agree i like going with kind of like paul or booker as the mvp as opposed to the sun's outright winning just because the odds aren't really there and yeah the bucks could very easily win this series too depending on you know, yeah. Giannis and how he plays. Yeah. And I guess uh, the other thing that I would be interested in betting is the series after the first game. So like in a hypothetical world where uh, Giannis doesn't <clears throat> play a ton or kind of is rusty, doesn't have a great game. The uh, Suns beat, uh, beat the Bucks in game one. Yeah, then I would love to see what the odds come back as in terms of Bucks to win the series sort of after that. Um, you know, that could be an interesting one where you'd be getting even more, uh, you know, value there potentially. But again, this is probably a really stupid bet, which is why I'm talking about it, since that's about all I'm good for. Um, yeah, I just, yeah. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I mean, that that is a good point. You know, sports betting isn't a, exact science even though people might say it is at least to me it's not uh it's a lot about kind of just seeing how things change and 
you know, yeah, like you said, you're going to have to make an adjustment, maybe, uh, depending on how yeah. the series goes. Try I mean, to find the, the arbitrage there. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I guess those are our takes. Um, like we said, we're not sports analyst experts by any means, but we are experts at losing money. Um, and we figure, you know, we give you our takes and, you know, follow or don't. Hopefully, you know, you're able to get some insight uh, based on what we said and either bet with or against what we said. Either yeah, way. I mean, honest, <laughs> I was just going <laughs> to plug the, you know, the, I don't know if you've watched TNT or if any of the, anyone who listens to this will with Chuck's uh, guarantees and how he was like two for 20. You could have made a lot of money just betting against what Charles Barkley was telling, telling you to do. So, um, yep. you know, you might want to follow suit here since um, everything we've talked about has been probably a, a pretty poor decision from a, a bet front. So just, uh, you know, go, go inverse of us and retire. I yeah. guess is, is really the, uh... <laughs> yeah, the moral of the story here. Um, anyways, all right, Stephen, thanks uh, for joining us on this episode, especially considering you're in Cabo. I know uh, you're going to be a few drinks deep uh, any minute now and placing some horrible bets. <laughs> yeah, um, I'll, I'll be doing my worst here. So I'll be looking for some lines, looking to see kind of what, what game one is going to entail. Um, over under could also be an interesting one. Like this series could very much turn into a, a track meet, despite everything that I've said up to this point around the tempo being slow. If the te- if the tempo isn't, if the Bucks get to you know the play style that they want to reach, and Game One is in, um, is it in Milwaukee? If it is in Milwaukee, it could really be a track meet, and so betting betting an over could could be a, a money maker there for sure. If you know threes start uh, kind of just raining from above. Uh, yeah. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, thanks for joining us, guys. And uh, you know, best of luck on your bets. All right. Thanks, guys. Yeah, check out the article again. There's a little bit more insight. It's a little bit less, um, you know, stream of consciousness. I didn't, like, actually try to organize my thoughts a little bit while I was sober. Uh, so give that, give that a quick read. It's only take you a few minutes. But hope you enjoy it. And, yeah, uh, give us a, a subscribe or a follow on the website if you're interested in seeing more of our content or getting into our podcast or listening to our podcast as we release them. Thanks everyone. All right. Thanks. Later guys.